And Lord, we thank you for your good presence. God, we thank you for all that you are for us in and through Jesus. And God, we know that what you will is best. God, we know that what you want to do is what is truly good and safe and right and wise in every situation. So God, we set our wills before you that so often war against you and resist you and rebel against you. And we say, come Lord, do what you want to in and among us and lead us as you please. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak today, to lead us today, to make us wise under the authority of Jesus Christ. So move in us, Lord, as you please. In your good name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, if we have not gotten the chance to meet yet, uh, good morning. My name is Mark, and I've got the honor of serving as the lead pastor here at Center Church, and I will be sharing a word on behalf of the elder board this morning. Now, as many of you are aware, a document was leaked from the Supreme Court back at the beginning of May, and this document outlined the general opinion of the majority of the Supreme Court at that time regarding a case before them known as Dobbs v. Jackson. Now, I am not going to get into the specifics of this case or what's happening there, but it was quickly seen that if this case was decided a certain way, it could lead to the overturning of the Supreme Court decision from 1973 that established abortion across the United States. Now, in light of this, the elders of this church take their responsibility to shepherd this church family very seriously. And we want to speak the truth of God into the realities of this life that intersects with the challenges that we all face one way or another. And in our hyper-politicized cultural moment that we are all swimming in right now, it will be hard for some of you to believe this, but I need to ask you to believe it that the elders of this church making this statement is not really about politics. It is not really about playing a partisan game or trying to fully align with this political movement or that political movement on a different side. But what we are doing is we are not addressing this issue because it is headline news or because there's a lot of conversation around it. We are not doing this because we want to prescribe specific political steps to anyone at all we want to leave that up to your conscience to let the Lord lead you in whatever capacity. But we are addressing this specific issue because it is a theological issue that has implications for our everyday life. And it is tied to the biblical truth that human beings are made in the image of God. And every single person has unbelievable value as a result of that truth. So please, I want to ask you for the next few minutes to not be filtering these words through the talking heads that you may hear on MSNBC or Fox News or the New York Times or your favorite podcast or whatever media channel you may listen to. Uh, the reminder for us here is that we will always and only and ever be a church that is governed by the word of God and led by the spirit of God. And we will not be blown this way and that way by the cultural winds, whichever way they are blowing at any certain time. So with that being said, I need to acknowledge the fact that I will not be able to say everything that needs to be said about this topic. Um, I will make some very clear statements about the ethical implications of the fact that we are made in the image of God and how that connects to the practice of abortion. 
but I need you to know that I am not able to give uh, full elaboration or context as I would like to. Uh, to be upfront with you, what I am about to say is barely a third of what was originally written as we worked through this as an elder board and looking at this with deacons and wives of the elders and other leaders in the church as well. And so I ask you to have a charitable spirit and to give me grace as I speak this morning because I am not saying even a third of what needs to be said about this topic. Now, with that being said, we would love to have this not just be a one-time shop where we say something and move on, but we would love for this to be an ongoing dialogue and a conversation among our church family. And so if you have any questions or concern or needs or follow-up needs that arise from this, please reach out to the elders. Uh, you'll see the email address up on the screen. We would love to minister to you, serve you, listen to you, hear your story in whatever capacity that you'd be pleased to share, and we'd love to connect you with another male or female leader in our church who can serve you in whatever way you may need. And so this will be an examination of biblical truth, as always, but please know that everything spoken is spoken in love as well. Now, a sad reality of our culture on both sides of the political aisle is we tend to pound the table for the rightness of our position and to validate ourselves, we often demonize the other side and refuse to give them any grace or any open ear to hear their side of the story or their needs at all. And that is, to say it bluntly, not the way of Jesus. And that is not the posture of Center Church at all. And that will not be the tone of the conversation here at Center Church. And so before I say anything about the reality of abortion, we want to celebrate the beauty and excellencies of the gospel and pronounce the reality of the good news of Jesus Christ over every life and every situation that is connected to this reality. You see, the truth is that we were all created by God to know him and to enjoy what is truly good and delightful under his wise leadership. But the sad reality is that every single human being in one way or another has resisted his good will. We have rejected his wisdom and we have chosen our ways over his ways and we have resisted and rebelled against his design for life. And see, this is what the Bible calls sin. And the reality is that scripture gives us an abundantly clear picture that God is a God of justice. God cannot ignore sin. God cannot let sin go unaddressed because it harms that which he loves, namely creation. It brings dishonor to him and harm to creation. And so God has said clearly, he will eventually give sin what sin deserves, which is to judge it and to give justice. But the beautiful truth of the gospel is that God is not simply a God of justice, but he is a God of inexpressible mercy and inexpressible grace, patience, and kindness. So he will give justice eventually, but he has an unbelievable mercy extended the offer of grace to all as he sent Jesus Christ as God in the flesh to live the sinless life we should have lived so that a righteousness could be offered to us. Jesus died the death in our place for our good on the cross, absorbing the totality of what our sins deserved so we could be spared if we would but receive him and submit to him. But Jesus did not stay dead. He rose from the dead, walked out of the tomb, victorious over the grave, 
over sin, offering grace and salvation to all who would receive him. And so before we say anything about this cultural moment, we, we want to proclaim the reality of the grace and saving power of Jesus Christ for everyone. And so whatever your situation is, there is grace for you. There is grace for my and your vanity and pride and gluttony and materialism and gossip and slander and laziness and, and pride and arrogance and anger and lust and everything else that can be listed. And there is grace and forgiveness for anyone who has been connected to abortion in any way at all. And so we want to remind us that the grace of Jesus cannot be outsinned. So whatever your story is, you have not gone beyond the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And so you are not destined to the corner of shame. You are not condemned this morning. Whatever your sin is, whatever my sin is, there is grace. And so if you have participated in an abortion in any capacity, please hear me. We are not pointing the finger at you. We are extending grace as all of us need for the mess of the sin in our lives. And so if you have performed an abortion, there is grace for you. If you have paid for an abortion, there is grace for you. If you have had an abortion, there is grace for you. If you pressured someone to receive an abortion, there is grace for you. And so this is the foundation of what we say today, the saving work of Jesus Christ and the grace available for all. And so with that reminder as a foundation, what we need to look at before we even get to the topic of abortion is I need to zoom out a little bit and give us a bigger picture overview of what undergirds what we're about to say about the reality of the sorrow that abortion brings. You see, the Bible opens up with a breathtakingly beautiful picture of God's design for life. That out of an abundance of love, creativity, power, wisdom, and generosity, God created the universe. And then the pinnacle of God's creative work is humanity. And what scripture tells us is that God created men and women in his own image. That God created us to reflect what he is like. God created us to point, men and women both, to what he is like. God created us to image forth, to reflect and show to one another, and then to all of creation what God is like and who he is. And as a result of that, of being created in the image of God as a reflection of him, each individual has inestimable value and dignity because they are made in the image of the God of the universe. And we need to remember that human beings are not a cosmic accident that just evolved from some monkeys and we got lucky to develop cognitive ability a while ago. That God made men and women both in his image to reflect what he is like. And because of that, we have inexpressible value, dignity, and worth. And that is why specifically God gives such clear statements about why it is evil to bring unjust harm on another person who is made in his image. Because ultimately, an attack on someone created in the image of God is an attack on the God in whose image that person was created. You see, the inherent dignity of each person created in the image of God is what makes murder and racism and other sins like that so egregious. Because if you bring unjust harm on a person you are essentially spitting in the face of God 
and belittling his prized creation. And you see, the image of God is such a foundational biblical truth that the elders of this church at our founding a little over a year ago, we wanted to include in our theological statement an entire point just on the image of God and the implications that has for sexuality and gender and ethnicity and yes, even life in the womb. Because God made us as embodied creatures, that has implications for what we do with our bodies and what happens to our bodies. Now, I am not able to read the full paragraph for that statement right now, but it is on our website and you can visit it. I encourage you to, but point number 11, on the image of God, we say a variety of things and one sentence from that statement says the following, that life itself is a gift from God that begins at conception and should be cherished and protected at all stages of life. Life begins at conception and deserves to be protected. Now, this idea is not a recently developed phenomenon in the American church. This has been core to the people of God's understanding throughout their history. And what you see is even, for example, in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, in that one scene, we see the, the prophet Jeremiah, while he is still in the womb of his mother, God's special work through the Spirit resting on him and anointing him and setting him apart for a special work while he was in the womb. Uh, this very same thing happens in the Gospel of Luke with John the Baptist. And what you see is personhood in the womb. What we see is not simply a clump of cells who was potentially going to be a person deserving protection someday, but scripture gives us a picture of personhood in the womb. And so in contrast to the claims of some people today that removing a fetus is simply like removing a tumor or removing a clump of cells or tissue, the Bible holds out a very different picture that we have personhood in the womb for each baby. And what we need to remember is that that baby did not become a person at the moment of birth. That baby did not earn personhood and dignity at the start of the second trimester. But before that point, they're a morally non-important issue. Not at all. What we have is that that baby was created in the image of God and is deserving of protection from the moment of conception. And what we need to do is to acknowledge that the moral reasoning of our culture is out of alignment with what is truly good, truly just, truly right, and truly beautiful. Not in every situation with an abortion, not in every area of our culture at all, but in certain parts, in some pockets of our culture, we value sexual liberty, financial freedom, uninterrupted leisure, and a favorable career trajectory more than we value the preservation of the life of a human being. And that should cause us to lament. And so I need to state it clearly. An abortion is the murder of a human being made in the image of God deserving our protection and dignity. You see, issues of rape culture and poverty and sexual immorality 
broken families and systemic inequities often perpetuate this brokenness and this injustice as well. This is not a simple issue. This is not something that just, you know, if you just push a button, all the problems are solved. It is a clear issue on the morality, but it is not a simple issue on what leads to it and the brokenness that so many women experience. And so there are many tragic factors that lead to women feeling desperate and in need and trapped. And we want to acknowledge the reality of factors such as poverty and systemic inequalities that trap so many people in these situations. You see, the woman involved is in need as well, and we desire for that woman to be cared for and protected and to be flourishing as well, absolutely. See, we are not just for the life of the baby. We are for the life of the woman, and we desire her flourishing, her protection, her support, and her well-being as well. And that is why we want to broaden the focus from simply advocating for the baby as good and right as that is, but to also serving and listening to and protecting the women who are in need as well, and the father-to-be and the other parties involved as well. And so once again, I am not able to say even half of what needs to be said, and I want to encourage you to have an open ear to continue learning and processing through this. In the weekly email this Tuesday, there will be a fuller manuscript of what I was not able to say here today. We will have other resources for you to continue learning and processing through this. We will have more information on great organizations like Safe Families with Foster Care for Crisis Pregnancy Centers, um, like Informed Choices, and next steps for you to practically get involved, to not just think something, but to do something as well, and to also lead us how to pray. And so I ask you to look at that information this Tuesday, and if you're not getting the email, you can sign up in the Connect card under the seat in front of you, or in the Bibles as well, or online also. So once again, that needed to be said, but I want to remind us that more needs to be done than to say something or to give to a ministry like Safe Families. We need to be praying as well. All of our efforts are futile apart from the intervention of God and his sustaining grace that leads us to repentance and renewal. And see, as we pray, God realigns our hearts with his heart. And so we're going to have a time of prayer as a congregation right now. At your seat, I encourage you to pray right now. Pray for however God leads you. Pray for the moral reasoning of our nation to change so that we don't even see this as a valid option. Go ahead and pray for God to grant us repentance as a nation for all of the sins connected to this issue. Pray that God would support those in need in situations like this. And on and on I could go. Pray for whatever comes to your mind for this issue of abortion. So I'll pray for a moment and then you're going to pray at your seat. And then I'll wrap us up in a little bit after that. God, we ask for you to have mercy on our nation and to realign us in our worldview and our practice with your truth. Make us a land of justice and shalom. Forgive us, Lord, for all the ways we have valued other things more than you. And may you make this church a beacon of hope, justice, truth, love, mercy, and grace. And may you bring healing to the many broken lives connected to this issue. Lead us now, Lord, in your name. Amen.
God, we ask for your mercy on this nation. On this nation, May you lead us. May you cause us to fear you and revere you rightly. May we walk in the wisdom of your ways again. Bring healing to our brokenness. God, bring shalom to all the things that are broken in our culture. And may we always be a church of grace and truth, pointing people to you. God, we invite you into the rest of this service and we ask for your blessing on this sermon as you invite us into the shalom that comes through rest. May you anoint Zach and Eric and lead them. May you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive all that you say, all that you speak. And may you have your way among us for your glory and for our good. In your name we pray, amen.